Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. Happy New Year to everyone across the world. Don't worry, we're going to be starting Season 8 soon. We've got some amazing guests lined up. Until then, we're going to give you some more bonus content today. I'm sharing with you an episode I recently recorded with Kerry Newsom on her podcast, What About Vietnam? And we talk about the comedy scene and entertainment in Saigon and Vietnam, especially after the pandemic. Kerry's going to be coming up as a guest on a Vietnam podcast when we get restarted so make sure to look out for that one and don't forget follow subscribe from wherever you listen to podcasts make sure you turn on the notifications so you never miss an episode and as always if you enjoy the show send us a message I love to hear from you so enjoy this special bonus episode a pod swap with Kerry Newsom, where I was interviewed on her podcast what about Vietnam enjoy what about Vietnam a podcast with Gary Newsom, the series where Gary talks with travellers about their experiences and adventures. Find out more about Vietnam from the people who have actually been there. What about Vietnam? Whether it's adventure, exploring the culture and cuisine, shopping, or just soaking up the sun, let Gary and her travellers pave the way for a magical holiday in Vietnam. What about Vietnam? Xin chào and welcome to What About Vietnam. 
I'm very excited about this year. This is our first uh, episode for 2022. I'm excited because uh, I think we're going to be uh, able to visit Vietnam as the airlines announce just this week, uh, opening up flights uh, to the UK, Europe, US and Australia. I'm thrilled to to have my guest Neil Mackay on the show, a stand-up comedian uh, located in Saigon. He's going to be talking to us about the comedy scene in Vietnam. I'm also thrilled to have him on because he does what I do. He's a podcaster. He's based in Saigon and he's been running 7 Million Bikes uh, podcast uh, since 2019 and another one called Did That Really Happen? A funny guy, very talented, uh, interesting and going to give us some background to just how the comedy scene has developed in Saigon over the last uh, few years. He's been a big part of that and played a very instrumental role. He likewise is going to give uh, us all some insights just how to COVID has uh, affected that with um, 2020 being a year where it was, you know, all up and happening to 2021 literally being shut down. So, you know, while it's been in hibernation, it's certainly not going away. The comedy scene uh, is definitely there to to thrive and I'm very excited to have Neil on the show to give us um, some insights. Please welcome him to the program. Hello, Neil. Welcome to What About Vietnam? Hello, Kerry. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on too. Look, I don't know really where to start, but I'm just going to kind of throw up the first things that come to mind. And that kind of starts with someone arriving into Saigon and they have done all the great things that you can do from Saigon and whether or not that's going to the Mekong Delta, whether or not you know, we said during the Coochie Tunnels, there's lots and lots of things to do. And we talk about that on other shows. But when it gets to nighttime and it's still hot, (laughs) but, uh, you know, the Vietnamese, as soon as it gets dark, something I've noticed is um, everybody comes out. And there's a lot of a out and about kind of feeling. So tell us a little bit about how people would find entertainment and I'll just preface that with entertainment that is maybe more for Westerners so English speaking entertainment and more about comedy because I figure you've got a lot to talk about in the comedy scene. Yeah sure so when I first came to Vietnam I had the exact same struggles as well my wife and I we would get to the evening and we'd be like, what do we do now? And it was difficult to find things to do, especially we came here six years ago. And you're, you're used to kind of Western-style entertainment, right? And especially English-language-speaking entertainment. So we struggled a lot for a long time. And so there is obviously things you can do as a tourist. You can go on a food tour. You can be like a local and go sit on a street corner and drink beer on a plastic stool. Um, and all of that's super fun. But if you're here long enough or you just want something different, you you kind of really have to seek out that entertainment. But it's gotten, it's gotten a lot better over the years. Um, I like to think I've been part of that as well. 
but it's not just me as well. Like there's so many people doing so many amazing things. So now you can find music, quiz nights, and like you mentioned as well, comedy as well. And, you know, comedy probably wouldn't be the first thing that I would think about, but I love comedy clubs. And I know you've got 7 million bikes as your podcast, but also it's aligned I think, uh, and I'm hoping you're going to share with us, aligned to your comedy shows because you're a stand-up comic. I mean, let's get this out there, people. This guy is funny and funny on stage. (laughs) So, you know, what you're hearing in this podcast might be serious, Neil, but he does have another (laughs) hat and that's on stage as a stand-up comic. So talk to us about the comedy scene and, you know, a bit of history, bit of, you know, where is yeah, it heading, sure. lockdown, blah, blah, blah. Well, thank you very much. First of all, yeah, I do. I still find it weird when people call me funny. And even last week I sent <laughs> I sent a video to my one my best friend. I've known him since I was five years old. I sent him a video, just a short clip of me on stage. And his response was the best ever. He said, when did you become funny? You weren't funny in school. <laughs> thank god you've grown into that (laughs) only your best friend can tell you that right i just thought it was brilliant exactly um but no so the history of comedy here is 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 quite amazing so when we first came here six years ago and my wife and i we lived in australia we loved stand-up comedy in australia and new zealand i'd loved it all my life and then we found out about uh, an open mic here called brian and diana do shows and so we went to that and it was just great to see stand-up comedy again. And I ha- I wasn't even doing it at that time, but I'd been wanting to do it for, for years and years. And then we found out more about shows by uh, a guy called Ben Betterby. He'd been putting on shows. And there actually had been a group here called uh, Saigon Comedy or Comedy Saigon. And Saigon Funny People? Saigon Funny People. They came afterwards, but it was before them there was something else. And they were bringing over international comedians, but quite sporadically but there was still there was a history of international comedians coming here and so from there on we started getting into going to comedy shows and then I started doing comedy myself um and like most comedians here most comedians around the world they just want to be on stage more and it can be quite difficult to get stage time it's the biggest thing for any comedian and so what a lot of comedians do, and I did the same, they end up putting on their own shows. So I was like, I wasn't getting on stage as much as I wanted. I had a background in event management. Um, I knew how to run an event. I was like, I want to put on my own comedy show. And then luckily partnered with an amazing bar in District 1, just near the Bintan Market, near the Bintan Food Market. I was a craft mm-hmm. beer bar. I love beer as well. was becoming friends with the owner. It was with Fuzzy Logic. It was a hop shop. And so... That was the start of it. One of the things I think is my strength, and it seems kind of simple, but I know how to set up a room. And that was one of the things I I really wanted to bring to make a quality show was make sure that the room is set up properly. So there's so little, so many subtleties, like just small things like make sure everyone faces the stage, make sure the stage is a focal point, uh, the lights are done properly, things like this that can make or break a comedy show. So I really focused on that. But then the other big focus was tourism because this was back in 2019 and being near Bintan Market uh, I was like right we are going to get tourists in and I'd lived in New York previously and a big thing in New York especially around Times Square is the comedians go out during the day and they fly or I've heard they even do this in Thailand if you want to perform at the Thailand open mic you have to fly for at least an hour outside the venue 
So I was like, oh, gung ho. Um, I'm quite okay with publicity and promotion. So I was like, right, all the comedians, we're all going to go around Bintan Market and we're going to give out flyers and had flyers printed. Most comedians hate that shit. They don't want to do that. And so most of them like backed out. A couple of them were like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. And I was just kind of like, yeah, well, I'm going to do it. So I went around Bintan Market, handing out flyers like a weirdo, walking up to strangers, like, here, we got a comedy show tonight. But to me, like, I'm not too bothered about doing that kind of thing. And because I'd seen it in New York and I knew it happened in Thailand, I was like, this is, this is what you do. And one of the best things was, sure enough, an Australian couple showed up at the comedy show because I'd given them a flyer. And they were the loveliest couple. They were from Perth. They loved comedy. They're like, we go to stand-up comedy shows all over Australia. We love going to the Perth Comedy Festival. And the thing about the Saigon comedy scene, and it's changed now, and we can talk about how and why it's changed, which is obviously pandemic-related. But at that time, and for the next year or two, the standard was, and still is, but was especially so high. And I know I'm biased. Wow. I know I'm biased to say that. But I know because people would come to the shows and the most common thing we would hear nearly after every show was, wow, I never expected it to be that good. And this mm. couple that came from Australia, they were like, we go to the, the Perth Comedy Festival and that was as good as anything we go to in Perth. So we knew we had good comedians here. I knew I could put on a good show. We had 20 to 30 people at every show. The feedback was always amazing. And it was always the same thing. Like, I think people come, you're in Saigon. You think you're going to get some amateur comedians, which we all are, but you think you're going to get some probably like pretty bad comedy. I, I think, mm. I don't think there's bad comedy, but there's definitely awkward comedy. So I like, I hate mm. it. And I'm sure you're the same when you go and there's not just that there's no laughs, like that's fine if there's no laughs, but if the comedian makes it awkward, then it's just a horrible experience. And I've had that before where you're sitting and you're like, oh my goodness, he's been going on for 15 minutes now. And I'm, yeah, wait. when's he going to be over? Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. Mm. So you can watch a comedian and they're not very funny, but you're still enjoying the experience, you know? Exactly. So, so, but our comedians were funny and the room was just like, just rollicking with laughter. And so that was the, the beginning of it was uh, really focused on tourism, being around Bintan Market. And every, every show we had really nice mixture of local expats, local Vietnamese people, tourists coming in. We even had... Um, comedians who were touring who were just on holiday would get in touch with me and they'd say oh i saw your your comedy show can i get a spot and they'd be like yeah absolutely so there was a hilarious guy from canada another girl from i think she's based in hong kong you know someone else from america like you know all these traveling comedians just coming through and then from there it kind of snowballed because these shows were going really well then another bar who was friends with the owner of this bar got in touch with me and they were like, we want to do shows. So we started doing shows. This time was in district two, not too many tourists at that one because it's a little bit further out of town. Then we started doing shows in district seven, which again, no tourists at that one. Uh, as you probably know, district seven is almost like uh, Singapore. It's like a different country here, but that was the reason why we wanted to go to district seven. Cause we wanted to bring comedy to the people in D seven because my biased opinion is they don't leave very much, but my friend who's from D7, he counters that. And it's probably, I'm probably, again, having a biased opinion. They do leave, but you definitely, there's many of them, you need to go to them. So we started doing shows in D7, and then uh, I started working with the Hard Rock Cafe here, which was just incredible. They have an amazing venue, you know, like any Hard Rock Cafe. It's set up for music, but unbelievable sound system, stage, sound engineer, and it was amazing. So I went for this meeting with Hard Rock Cafe and I was like, okay, 
what am, what am I going to pitch them? So they do music, I do comedy. All right, let's do musical comedy. So I went into this wow. and I was like, I think this would be a great fit. We'll do a musical comedy. They loved it. We thrashed out all the agreement and they were like, yep, okay, let's do it next month. We had no musical comedians really of note in Saigon at the time. So nobody can sing, but they can tell jokes, right? <laughs> Pretty much. We had two musical comedians at the time. One of the, Both of them were really new. Like one of them, Wanyi West, was really new on the scene. The other one, Tony Bailaveld, didn't perform too often and he was super new. I could play a guitar, but I can't sing. And I was like, okay. So I went away and I was like, okay, right, you're going to put this show on in a month. So I contacted Wanye, first of all. We, he's Australian, actually, uh, from Melbourne. He's hilarious, one of the funniest people I've met. Um, and I said, all right, Wayne, can you do this show? Yep, no problem. Can you do 15 minutes, three or four songs? Yep, no problem. So he had to go and write a couple extra songs. Because I think at that point he had two songs. Um, I approached Tony, same thing. Yep, no problem. Right, okay, I've got two comedians now. I need at least four and a host. I'm the host, right? So, okay, I've got to go and write songs. So I've got to sit down and write some songs. Again, I can't sing. I spoke to a friend who's a professional singer. I was like, can you give me singing lessons? And <laughs> ended up not happening. I, I could sing better than I realized. So I'm still a terrible singer, but I wasn't as bad as I thought. And then I, pro then I was like, oh, Tommy, he did one verse of one song during his stand-up. Maybe he can do more. So I approached, and he's a, he's a beautiful singer. So I was like, Tommy, can you do musical comedy? He's like, yeah, okay, I can do it. So I played guitar for him for a couple of songs. He used a backing track. And then the last one was AJ Miller, who she did comedy and she did music, but she never did them together. And she did both really well. So I was like, AJ, can you do musical comedy? And she's like, yep, absolutely. So that was it. We had a show. So we did rehearsals. We practiced for a month. And then a month later, we had like over 150 people in the Hard Rock Cafe. Unbelievable wow. show. Um and that was like probably the high point for me anyway, absolutely the high point for comedy here in Saigon and for many other people as well. So was that 2019? That would have been 2020, Christmas. Let me, I can't, I don't even know what year it is now. What year is it now, 2022? <laughs> it's just clicked over to 22. Yeah. Okay, so this would have been Christmas. 20, November 2020 was the first show. There. 2020. Yeah. Because uh, let's just let's just touch base as we talked before about a bit of a timeline because yeah. 2020 when the rest of the world was kind of you know, locked down and really feeling the full frontal of COVID, Vietnam at that point was uh, hubba hubba. Yeah, it was rocking and rolling. I was talking to some people who were saying they were going to five-star resorts for really cheap prices. There were some DJs that happened to just kind of get stuck when the borders got shut in, in Vietnam so they couldn't get back as quickly. So there was some talent walking the streets and, like, offering themselves up to various venues. So uh, I hear 2020 was... Um, it, it, it was pretty happening. Am I right? Yeah, no, it was amazing. We had a, a brief lockdown of sorts in April for a month, and then everything went back to normal. We had zero COVID strategy. We had zero COVID. Borders were closed. We were just basically like this little island. Um, shows went back on. Comedy was thriving. 
I don't know too much about DJs because I'm not really in that scene, but that makes total sense. The DJs would have been stuck here and then performing. We had so many comedians, so many new comedians. Some got stuck here, like absolutely. Same thing with comedy. Some comedians got stuck here and ended up performing uh, regularly. We had more and more shows. And then, yeah, by the end of 2020, again, Hard Rock Cafe. And now, even now, I can't imagine doing a show with 150 people. I I personally probably wouldn't want to do it. Not probably. I definitely wouldn't want to do it at the moment. And I think something that you mentioned about a show is, you know, sometimes it's not just down to the comedian's jokes. It's it's also about their presence. I think it's also about, as you said, the staging. And I'm really glad you mentioned that because I always, you know, if I walk into a venue and it really looks clappy, you know, like it's really crabby and the feeling is there's not that vibe. You can create a vibe, believe it or not, with the right setup. And I think if you give it every chance, then that comedian is also got every chance of being a success. So I think it's it's great to see because I probably would have thought, hmm, gee, if I'm going to go to an English-speaking comedy show in Vietnam run by a guy who's got a Scottish accent, I would have gone, what am I really in for here? Like is, is that kind of some of the, the feedback you get? How, how does this voice attach itself to Vietnam and comedy shows? My God, that's a stretch. It's a stretch. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so. I think that just comes in with people don't have that expectation that it's going to be good. One of the amazing things was to... There's been a big change as well. We used to have lots of Vietnamese comedians doing English comedy, and they were hilarious. They were so, so funny. Um, Right. Yeah, no, unbelievable. And you're just like, how are you so funny in your second language? This is unfair, you know? And they they were some of the best comedians in Vietnam. And then in 2020 or 2021, I can't remember the exact timeline, I think 2021, they started doing comedy in Vietnamese, which had never really been done before. And this has been discussed a lot on my podcast and within comedy circles. So to do comedy in Vietnamese is really, really difficult because of the language, because of the, the jokes just don't translate. And if you check out my podcast, I talked to Vu Minh Tu, who's a Vietnamese comedian, and she's not performing at the moment, but she's she's one of the best again. She explains, you know, all the things that make English language comedy funny. So like double entendre, tone of voice, timing. I mean, these are the the biggest things. You can't, the way she explained it, the Vietnamese language doesn't lend itself to those types of, of nuances. So it's really difficult. And traditionally, Vietnamese comedy was just really slapstick. Even just like a guy dressing as a female was hilarious. You know, a guy getting slapped across the head, all of this stuff. So there was never a really uh, there was never really a Vietnamese comedy scene in in Vietnamese language, and then suddenly these guys who had been doing English language comedy, so Wee Le, Wee Nguyen, Phung Nam, who had all been doing my shows, suddenly started doing their own shows in Vietnamese and putting them stuff on YouTube and TikTok, and they of course they just exploded. They're like get millions of Fantastic. views on TikTok. They used to come and do my little amateur shows. Now I can't book them for love nor money. They are like now huge celebrities in their own right. They put all the comedy up in Vietnamese, so I don't know what they're saying, but 
it looks amazing. I've watched a couple of videos. The crowd are laughing. So they're now the, the pallbearers for stand-up comedy in Vietnamese. So they've now completely, uh, and when I say separated themselves, I don't mean like in a, a negative way, but they've completely separated themselves on another level from the existing comedy scene that was here because, yeah, there's 10 million people in Saigon and 90 million people in Vietnam. So it's a massive market, so to speak. But the people that, yeah. the, the expat scene, I think in Saigon, there was 100,000 expats. That's probably half now. Um, mm. Obviously, you have English language speaking Vietnamese and who do want Western culture and a lot of returning uh, overseas Vietnamese who, who appreciate Western culture. But it's still a, a completely small amount of people compared to the Vietnamese speakers. So those guys are amazing. They're killing it. And that was going to be my next question, which is like, do you steer your comedy, you know, your stories and your kind of anecdotal situations or whatever, do you steer them to to things that you experience uh, and, and a Westerner is going to get as well as a Vietnamese person? Or, you know, are you kind of having a bit of a, a spin off some of the nuances uh, amongst Vietnamese, you know, like are you kind of taking them on or, you know, like how, how do you make it so that, because I'm, I'm thinking of just say I'm just flown in from, let's say, the UK. I know very little about Vietnam and I'm at this comedy club and you're telling some jokes that maybe only a local would get because they don't know enough about Viet Vietnam yet. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how, how it's steered and kind of mm. what your focus is so people can understand. No, that's a really good point. And sometimes myself and even other comedians, you hear them tell a joke and you're like, you only get that joke if you live here. And so that happens mm. sometimes, you know, and you, but you're trying to make your comedy accessible to everyone, you know, um, universal. Yeah. Yeah. Universal. I mean, most of, I guess my stuff and a lot of the comedian stuff, everyone's different, I guess. Maybe I think a lot of my stuff is the kind of fish out of water. So you're an expat living in a different land. So the, the fine line as well, and I've had positive praise on this, from local Vietnamese, which I really appreciate, is being respectful of the local culture. So you always want to make sure that you're not making fun of them for, you know, but you can but you yes. can make fun of them. So it's like Just a fine line. Yeah, no, mm. and that's why it was a good question. So you and I had this with the podcast as well. So that what you've got to try and do, I guess, what I always try and do, and, and to answer your question, is I'm the butt of the joke. Not, yeah. not the Vietnamese person or the Vietnamese culture. It's I'm the butt of the joke for not understanding it or... Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I so get you it. you don't get up and make fun of them, even though you can kind of make fun of them. But, yeah, so there is some... There is, I do think about that a lot. And I'm cheering you on all the way with what you're doing because it's something that I think is a, a, a great add-on for a for a traveller coming to Vietnam as the doors are starting to open and they're starting to look at new scenes and new things to do and, you know, I mean, Vietnam's been in hibernation now for a couple of years so, you know, we're all coming <laughs> out of the pandemic. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't been back for two years where I normally are, are there like three, four times a year, mm. uh, you know, for extended stays to, to get around and experience and kind of stay. So I'm missing Vietnam yeah. a lot. 
how do I direct or how do people find these gigs? Where do they go? Is there other places they advertise? Because I've never seen it in the hotels or anything yet. Maybe that's coming. Yeah, no, that's a, give me a good idea. Hotels, yeah, that's a good one. Um, you you probably know what it's like in Vietnam. As someone said to me, Facebook is king here. Uh, I think oh, it's God, yeah. less around the world now. It's declining or not growing as fast. But in Vietnam, everything happens through Facebook. So that's just the main the main thing to go is go on Facebook, go to the events page. But there's also like Saigoneer. So we, we partner with Saigoneer. We post our events on there and they post they have a calendar of events, so you can find things there. As you mentioned, just go on the 7 Million Bikes website. You'll find all our events on there. But if, you, if you're looking for any event on any night, you go to Facebook, go to events, look up what's happening tonight, and, and you'll find it there. But as you know with anything, it's all marketing, right? Like there's no shortage of marketing ideas. If I had unlimited budget, I would have posters in every hotel, and I would have ads on YouTube and then the shows would probably all be packed because, you know, the more you spend on marketing, the more people are going to come. But everything's done on a shoestring. Everything's done um, with the, the small budget that you have, which is often zero. Um, the only time I've really thrown any budget at anything was the Hard Rock show because it was a, a big show and we knew that the more we threw at it, the more people we would get through the door. But most of our shows is kind of a 20, 30 people max. But it's really sad, you know, because before the pandemic, as I mentioned, with the tourism and the locals coming out and even just the churn of expats, which is regular as well. People come for a year or two at a time. We had every single show was 20, 30 people sold out. Um, and then the, the coronavirus came and it's never recovered since then for, for various reasons, unfortunately. So we've been on a holding pattern now. Like you, I'm the opposite to you. I've not left Vietnam in two years, but a great place to be. But we've been on a holding pattern just like when the pandemic hit, we're like, ah, six months, Christmas time will be back. The tourism will be back. The shows will be back. You know, everything will be packed. And then that didn't happen. And then the start of this year again, we're like, okay, the things were looking up. The vaccines were coming, you know, cases were down. Things were opening up by April, May, well, well by March, April. We're like, yes, okay, it's going to be the year. And then May came and Delta came and, uh, again, we've never recovered. So we, we shut down all our events, moved them all online. All, we did online comedy, which was unbelievable. I did a show in Australia, quote unquote, which was three o'clock Vietnam time, but it was in Australia. Um, it was amazing. We had we did it for free for healthcare workers. And so we had a massive audience oh, as fantastic. well. Fantastic. Yeah, okay. that was a connection through my sister. As I mentioned, she's uh, in the healthcare industry in Victoria. So she she opened it up to all her kind of healthcare professionals and we offered it to them for free. So that was that was incredible. And so we moved everything online. We were doing weekly quiz nights. We were doing comedy nights. Everything was amazing. And then October 1st, the government opened up the country. So nobody wanted to be online, but we couldn't do events either. So that was crushed. So we went from being online to offline to nothing, offline to online to nothing. And just now, shows are finally starting to recover. So I'm doing my first comedy show, hosting my first comedy show in like nine months next week. I'm performing this week for the first, not for the first time, but I'm performing this week at somebody else's show. There's a whole bunch of other showrunners here uh, that all put on comedy shows. And so it's it's getting exciting again. But like everything, there's a, I think we're all just scared to see what's going to happen next. So hopefully nothing happens, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, I was talking to someone in Vietnam uh, earlier this morning and they were saying that the government is talking about now uh, counting 
hospital numbers rather than case numbers. And, you know, if if that's going to be the case, I think that's probably, to be honest, uh, a good measurement for the future mm. because if Vietnam follows Australia uh, and many other countries with the Omicron uh, virus, uh, fortunately, uh, if if the the country is highly vaccinated, then the Omicron comes as probably, you know, more of a a slight flu and you are certainly unwell and certainly if you have any uh, underlying conditions, you are going to be in a worse situation. But so far, Omicron is not uh, our biggest issue with hospitalisation. So I can only cross my fingers because, as you know, I'm in the travel industry. (laughs) What an industry to be in in this era. So, yeah, I think news for everyone listening is that Vietnam is opening up and the, the way you can tell that most prolifically is with the airlines opening up uh, their routes again, and that's already happened. Uh, the 1st of uh, January was a big release uh, with Vietnam Airlines, Singapore Airlines uh, in January as well. Bamboo is going to be flying out of out of uh, Melbourne and we're waiting for the release of dates there. But certainly Vietnam Airlines has started selling. I think um, just for people to be aware, it is it is a situation to watch and I'm hoping your comedy shows and events can continue and as they are. And I'm sure Vietnam is going to embrace that because they know they're going to have to have that kind of entertainment when everybody does come back because, you know, everyone's going to be wanting to get out there, have fun, throw off the, you know, the Omicron mm-hmm. badge, you know, look in the rear vision to COVID and get out and have a good time. So, Neil, I want to say thank you again for coming on the show. It's um, It's been great to chat and really great to get an understanding of the comedy scene and, you know, what's going on in Saigon. Um, I'm just, yeah, really grateful for your time and to learn a little bit more uh, about what's what's going to happen and what I can come and do at night when I yeah. arrive in Saigon. First stop, I'm, I'm coming to a show. Awesome. Well, we can't wait to see you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I could, I could talk about Vietnam and comedy and entertainment here all day long. Thank you for listening. Check out the episode notes for more information. What about Vietnam? Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review and stay tuned for more fun adventures in Vietnam. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. 
It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.